coming out for January 14th. It's uh, Wednesday, one day later than we normally do this. Uh, I'm Joe Borgay, the assistant editor of Hoops Habit, and uh, joining me as always, my co-host, Shane Young. Shane, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty fine, actually, uh, regardless of all these trade transactions that have happened recently. Uh, yeah. my, my life has been uh, pretty up and down with the Lakers and Pacers. It's been oh, I- wild. <laughs> I bet uh, Mo Williams dropping 52 points like it's 2009 out there. <laughs> Look, I know why couldn't he, why couldn't he do this in the uh, playoffs for LeBron? I, you know, if if he could have, they might have not been swept in the finals. But oh, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, rough, rough times for the Pacers. Rough times for for Kobe. Was he two for 19 the other night? Three for 19 and missed the game tire. Oh boy. Uh, I I watched the Suns um, not dismantle the Cavs, but for a while they were up by a pretty good margin. Mm-hmm. And uh, Markeith Morris, the weirdest person I've ever seen in my life, wanting uh, <laughs> to talk to media. It's a good thing you wasn't there. It's a good thing. Yeah, I mean it was uh, it was a good thing I was just on practice duty yesterday. <laughs> I probably would have been pretty mad if, if the first game I was covering was. He decided not to talk to the media after dropping 35 <laughs> points, but uh, but yeah. So uh, anyway, we we did this podcast uh, eight days ago, and in that eight day span, there have been three pretty, or actually four trades now that we're going to talk about, but three pretty big ones, just back to back to back, and most of them involve Boston, funnily enough. So uh, let's let's start with the first one that does not involve Boston. Um, one of the gripes against uh, the Cavaliers of title contenders has been their lack of rim protection. And so, you know, after they made that trade with the Knicks for J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert, they weren't done yet, and they went out and got Timofey Mozgov from Denver. They had to send two future first-rounders to the Nuggets. Uh, Shane, how do you feel about this trade? How do I feel about the Timofey Mozgov edition? It is actually pretty surprising that um, they would give up two first-round picks. I didn't think they would ever do that, considering, you know, Mozgov's not... He's not a Dwight Howard. He's not a DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, he's a Timothy Mozgov. Right. So, uh, you know, David Blatt had ties with him, with a Russian team, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think they... I think that in the games that he's played together that I've watched, um, about two or three... Um, he's, they played with Cleveland, and actually his first one with the Browns the other night, but he looked pretty fine. He looked pretty solid offensively, but that's not what they got him for. They got him for defensive purposes and occasional, you know, nine or ten points on the offensive end. Um, so what I, what I think was it was just too much to give up, but it was the right idea because in the playoffs, I don't care what seed Cleveland's going to be at. They can win a couple series. I don't care if they're a five, four, or two. They're going to be able to win a couple if they can gel together and LeBron plays like, 2012 LeBron. Right. I uh, I agree with you. I think it uh, giving up two first-rounders for Mozgov is a bit much, but considering the circumstances, it's not as bad as it seems. And, and here's why. Because this Cavs team, LeBron's going to be a free agent again soon. Kevin Love is a free agent this summer. This is a team that needs to start winning now. And as of right now, they have a losing record after last night's loss. So uh, adding Mozgov, adding rim protection, a rebounder, um, you know, he hasn't blown anybody away in his first three games, but that's going to be a move that pays off in the long run of, of what's left of this season. And the funny part about it is that back in the day, like maybe three weeks or four weeks ago, whenever we said that Kevin Love was going to be a free agent this season, you would always finish that statement with, but he's, but he's going to resign long term. Now all you can say is he's going to be free agent this summer. That's all you can say because we don't know what he's going to do. Because why would you come back to this mess if it continues to be a mess? Which I don't think it will. But that's beside the point. Right, and it's it's kind of scary, you know. Last night against the Suns, Morris was lighting Kevin Love up, and it was so bad that Blatt kept Love on the bench for the whole fourth quarter. Uh, the look on Kevin Love's face was not the look of a guy that's like, oh, I'm happy to be here. I'm playing with LeBron. I'm going to resign for sure. Just one year ago, Love was the money man in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and it's uh, it's so as far as this trade goes for the Cavs, I like it. You have two first rounders for you know a kind of average center in Timofey. It's uh, it's a bit much, but it's a move that this team needs to make because they're definitely in win now mode. Um, what about the Nuggets perspective? I mean, this has to be pretty much a home run for them, right? Yeah, I mean, for what they're trying to do, I mean, they're trying to surround, I guess, Ty Lawson. If you, I said he, I deem him as like the untradeable guy, like he's the guy that I would keep as my franchise guy. But mm-hmm. um, trying to surround them with good, good young talent, and you know, Kenneth Reed, they signed him that long-term extension that we really don't believe he deserved. But um, you know, you add him with Lawson, and then a couple picks in the upcoming drafts. That's a lot of youth. And in the Western Conference, you need to be able to run. And whenever they were, wow, they were with George Carl that year. They led the league in fast break. They were the fastest team in the league. Mm-hmm. So I think they need to get back to that, and they will once they get all these. Hopefully, they draft wisely. I believe in Tim Connolly to draft wisely. Right, and I mean, I, I think the return that they got from Mozgov just straight up is pretty exceptional. But it's even better when you remember that they have that rookie, that the Bosnian Bear Yusuf, <laughs> who is. The only other player that I deem, you know, he needs to be a part of their long-term future. I think everyone other than him and probably Ty Lawson, um, those are movable pieces. So getting rid of Mozgov, getting two first-rounders for a guy like that when you already have Nurkic, um, pretty pretty good move. And, and I mean, Nurkic is the one that's laughing at DeMarcus Cousins. So <laughs> right, he likes to he he has a little bit of a an attitude to him. He likes to get in guys' faces. He got in Mark Gasol's face. He wasn't afraid to bang in the paint with Boogie. Like he's he's not scared of anybody. I didn't see the Mark one. Yeah, he uh he was talking crap to Mark Gasol and Marcus <laughs> had enough, and they got in each other's faces. It was oh. pretty, yeah, it was it was pretty heated. Um. And it was funny. They were interviewing this all about it on NBA TV a few days ago, and they were they were asking him about that confrontation. He was like, "Oh no, he's a he's a good young player, but uh, I'm looking forward to our next next matchup." And he like named the date just right off the top of his head. So, oh my god! So that that'll be something fun to watch. But um, for the Nuggets, I really like this trade, and we're gonna talk about their second trade of the week in a bit, but. Um, this first trade was a move in the right direction as far as rebuilding. Second trade, not not so much. But uh, yeah. let's uh, let's move on to the second trade. This is the the big one, really. I think um, that could potentially have have a big impact on the West. Um, that's the three team Jeff Green trade. So Memphis gets Jeff Green. The New Orleans Pelicans they're kind of a facilitator. They get Quincy Pondexter. And then Boston, who are you know stockpiling draft picks like nuclear warhead war era, um, they get a future first rounder. They get Austin Rivers and they get Tayshawn Prince. Um, initial reactions to this trade. Initial reactions were that Memphis is completely going for it, and it's not something that I would see from Memphis. Like when they got rid of Rudy Gay. In all honesty, do you think they thought that they would be able to improve? Like they did, I don't think they did. I think that they got rid of Rudy Gay just for future purposes. I don't, I don't know if they got rid of him to say, you know, we're going to be a much better team without him. But, um, you know, in this sense, whenever you're trading away um, Tayshawn Prince, who a lot of Memphis people have completely just been down on him. He can't make an open corner three, can't do anything correctly. So, um, you know, when you bring in Jeff Green, who is a athletic monster, he's not really a, he's not really a great. I wouldn't say great offensive player, but he can get the job done in his role. And I think more than – just like any other Grizzly in that situation, he, he knows his role. He doesn't try to play above his role. I mean, when he was with Rondo, you know, he's kind of playing second fiddle, but he's also the primary scorer. He's not going to be the primary scorer in Memphis, but he's going to be one of the you know three or four that they have. They work as a unit together, just like Atlanta and San Antonio, just probably not as – not the same di- the same dynamic, but the same mentality. So I, I love it for uh, Dave Yeager and uh, Boston. I-, I believe are they waving Tayshon Prince buying them out? I think the last I saw, they were going to have a discussion um, with Tayshon Prince about what he wants to do. Because Prince obviously doesn't want to play for this team, and Danny Ainge has no interest in keeping him. So uh, I- I'm not sure what they're going to do. But his future in Boston long term does not look good. We'll leave it at that. Uh, 
<laughs> do do you think the Memphis improved or kind of stayed the same with this? Um, I think it's a great trade for them. I think defensively, I mean, they were already tough defensively, but adding Green on the wing, um, you know, he's he's a younger sort of better version of Tayshawn Prince at this point defensively. Um, and he's also a guy like you know, like you said, he should never be a team's primary offensive weapon, and he won't be with the Grizzlies. But he's a guy that can shoot. He is a guy that can score, um, and that alone makes him an upgrade <laughs> over Prince. Yeah, I, I would just like to see them. I'd rather see them have like a a pure Kyle Korver guy. Like I, I really want to see that Memphis team with someone like that. They just they don't have it. No, they did. They don't. But I mean, they. They had one last year in Mike Miller, and yeah. that, that didn't work out as great for them. Um, I, I think. Well, to be fair, I think Miller's not even working out in Cleveland, so I just it might have just been him. I, I don't know. <laughs> right, but um, I think Memphis definitely got better. I think this is a move that now that Zach Randolph is back in the lineup, um, that's going to be this Grizzlies team. They'll need time to gel because Stebo's been out for a couple weeks, and now Green's coming in. Um, but, you know, the, the pieces are there for them to be as, as competitive as anybody in the West. Um, as for Boston, you know, they're not keeping, they're not keeping Prince. They're probably going <laughs> to trade Rivers to the Clippers. And, uh, you know, they get another pick, which I think it'll probably, they'll, at the earliest, it'll be a 2019 pick, which, you know, it seems like that's a long way off, but, with all the draft picks they have saved up, maybe it's a good idea to stagger them a little bit. Yeah, and you know that pick is the Memphis pick, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it has potential. Like Zach Lowe was saying, it has potential, and people are going out of context. You know, it has the chance to be a good pick in the day, or you know, back in 2019 or whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. I mean, Memphis is at their like peak right now. This is as good as they're gonna get. Mm-hmm. So I, I would really love to have that pick. They could go back to the Grizzly days of 2010. Mm-hmm. It's, so. it's entirely possible. And uh, for the Pelicans, this is kind of just, <laughs> I don't know, it's a move that really doesn't matter. Austin Rivers did was not panning out, looking like a draft bust. They replace him with Quincy Pondexter, who is shooting pretty bad percentages this year, but in the past has shown that he can knock down threes. So kind of taking a chance on this one, hoping a new environment doesn't seem good. New Orleans wins the award easily for me for the most jacked-up roster in terms of, <laughs> like, uh, you need something with Davis there, and it, it's not Drew Holiday to me. It's not Tyreek Evans. Like, uh, you just need something to go along with him that's a dynamic-type guy. I know Drew Holiday is playing great ball, but right. I don't know. Not just Monty Williams, he, he doesn't have a lot to work with, I don't think. This team should be better than it is defensively. You know, with Davis and, and Ashik in the middle, this, this team needs to upgrade its perimeter defense. Um, you know, Drew Holiday, like you said, he's putting out decent numbers, but he's not. The fact that he's made an all-star game is just kind of mind-boggling mm-hmm. now. It's, it's about the state yeah, of the if he made, I think he made it that year that, uh, that Steph Curry didn't. Which is kind of funny. So right, right, and and coming out of the East, you know, it's easier to defend that. Yeah. But still, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with Tyreek Evans, but I do have a problem with what this team needs to do with Eric Gordon because he's not, <laughs> he can't stay healthy, and when he is healthy, he's you know, an inefficient gunner at best. So, hmm. uh, poor Pelicans, poor Anthony Davis, because his MVP case is really hurting if his team doesn't make the playoffs. <laughs> Um, yeah, for this trade, kind of a kind of a, a C minus move for them, a C whatever you want to just passing grade, not really a big deal. Yeah, incomplete. Incomplete. Oh, <laughs> right. But uh, so the last, or I guess the third, second to last trade of the week, um, one that affects my team that I cover, the Phoenix Suns, um, made a move that was you know unanimously, you know, there's a standing applause on Twitter for this one. Um, <laughs> They, uh, the Suns got Brandon Wright from the Boston Celtics for a future draft pick through Minnesota, which, unless the Timberwolves improve drastically this year or next year, is going to turn into two second-round picks. Uh, Shane, do you like this trade? I love it, man. You know how I feel about Brandon Wright, the most efficient player in terms of true shooting. 
mm-hmm. uh, or you know, uh, Kyle Korver is a god. But besides that, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Brandon Wright. I, I was watching him in that game. He, I mean, he didn't really. He came in the game the other night. Just didn't really have that much of an impact against Cleveland. But you know, he did block a couple shots and made made a huge defensive presence uh, in the second and third quarter. I was watching. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's tall and he's lengthy, and they said his wingspan's probably over seven four or seven five. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's unreal, man. And to go because he's mobile and he's agile, and that's what the Suns are. The Suns right. are, you know, I'm gonna run 120 miles an hour for 48 minutes a game. That's what they do, and I think he can do that. And Dallas, uh, you know, that offense kind of sped up a little bit. He was getting used to it. Now he's on the, you know, the fast, one of the fastest offenses in the league, and he's gonna be able to get get used to it and get back on the defensive end as well. And uh, you know, holding Cleveland uh, was it 100 points even. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I like that. I like that. One of the better offenses in the league. Um, so you, what, what are they going to do to like offenses of like OKC and Dallas and the Clippers? I think he can be a real, real, um, you know, upgrade. Yeah, I I think especially for what they had to give up. You know, everybody saw that we traded Brandon Wright for a first round pick and kind of ignored the protections, but they're really important because unless Minnesota somehow makes the playoffs next season, it's going to be two second-rounders that uh, that Boston gets out of this deal. Um, so I really like the move. I think Wright, he's an athletic big. He likes to run the floor. He likes to finish alley-oops. <laughs> he's tall. He's exactly the kind of upgrade we need. I, I was going to ask... I was gonna ask you, what does it mean for the trio of Brandon Wright, Alex Lynn, and Miles Plumley? Um, for Miles Plumley, it means his days in Phoenix are possibly numbered. Um, wow! Right, right. You know, Hornacek has experimented with uh, you know two big lineups uh, since they acquired Wright. He's put in um, you know Wright and Plumley together on the floor at the same time, but those lineups have been outscored really badly for whatever reason. <laughs> They're not doing well. Um, it looks really small sample size, of course, but that's uh, that that definitely means that Plumlee could be on his way out, although it's not guaranteed because, you know, Wright is a free agent this summer, so if the Suns aren't comfortable paying too much for him, there's a chance he's gone, but at this point, I don't know many people that are going to make Wright, you know, some kind of huge offer. So um, definitely like this move. He's a good shot blocker, um, you know, really lengthy big who likes to run the floor, and he's a finisher out of pick and rolls. So uh, definitely a good move for the Suns. Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, I'm just looking forward to I'm, – I'm telling you, I, that March, that March threshold of, you know, we're going to hold off OKC until then. <laughs> I, I, the, the, with wins like that last night, with Markeith doing that, Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna be a dark fight. It's gonna be a dark fight. Right. It's. Uh, I'll tell you what. There's gonna be a lot of depressed people in Phoenix if this. <laughs> it's gonna be worse than last year. It's gonna be much worse than last year because you know this team is. They started off really slow. They started off pretty badly, but since Alex Len was put into the starting lineup, the Suns are 11 and five. Um, you know, they're, they're a young team that needs to learn how to close out close games, but uh, they did it last night, and they're, they're learning, so not making the playoffs this season would be pretty, pretty devastating <laughs> after. Yeah. Um, now, I was going to include this in our buy or sell segment, but since we're talking about trades right now, let's, let's include the last one of the week, probably the smallest one. But uh, I think it was yesterday, the Boston Celtics made a swap of point guards with the Denver Nuggets. Um, They traded Jameer Nelson for Nate Robinson. Um, I don't know about you, but my reaction was, what the hell is Denver doing? (laughs) (laughs) My reaction was, why? That's one reason. Like, give me one reason, guys, and I I might listen to it, but y'all had Nate Robinson before. Right. Or wait. No, wait. So Denver gets Jameer Nelson, right? Denver gets Jameer Nelson, okay. and Boston gets Nate Robinson. Yeah, you had you had Nate Robinson. I mean, he was already aging. I mean, he's already not a great. He's already not a good point guard. He, right. He's a good scorer with the Bulls and that playoff series. That's it. He's and been good. Yeah. <laughs> so you get Jameer Nelson, who is the definition of aging. The definition of my past was or my prime was 2009 Finals. 
Right. And uh, now you get this. I I don't know what their idea is, but like if it's trying to make them better, that's a wash. But if it's just trying to do something because maybe Nate Robinson wasn't wasn't working out with the coaches or something like that, then I can see it. But you know, we'll never know that. So. Yeah, this is uh, it's it's such a bizarre deal because you know it's good for the Celtics. The Celtics got an expiring contract, and even though you know they had some good years with Nate Rob in the past, they're they're probably going to buy him out, and get rid of him. Um, so for them, this is just getting rid of Jameer Nelson's two point eight five million dollar salary next year. For the Nuggets, why they're taking that salary on makes no sense to me. Um, you know, obviously. From a playing perspective, Jameer Nelson is an upgrade over Nate Robinson from what we've seen this year. He's an upgrade. He's a better backup point guard for the Nuggets. But but what is he, a two-win upgrade? Three-win upgrade? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and that's the point, is the Nuggets are supposed to be going in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. That's what the Timofey Mozgov trade was, what we thought it was doing. You know, they're They're gaining assets to rebuild while getting rid of players that aren't going to be part of the long-term rebuild. And instead, they take on a 30-plus-year-old point guard, <laughs> not going to be a part. And they're taking minutes away from Eric Green, who could have been the backup. He's a young player who has shown signs of promise as a scorer. And, you know, it just does not make sense to me. It's, it's not a terrible trade, but it's a nonsensical one. So, yeah, a bit of a nonsensical trade. But uh, anyway, let's move on to our game segment of the day. Um, didn't have enough time to do under-over today, but we still have buy or sell and fill in the blank. So uh, first, let's start with buy or sell. David Blatt is the problem with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Are you, are you buying or selling it? I'm halfway buying it, so if you want to say that's a complete buy and there's no in-between, then I'll say it's a complete buy. Um I think that he is a great offensive coach. I know that the reason why they're a top ten offense, or maybe top five now, is not really because of David Blatt's because, you know, like LeBron, they have a lot of shooters, and Kevin Love is, uh, you know, he can do everything on the court. Um, and they have one of the best point guards in terms of getting to the rim. And he's actually the best getting to the rim. But I think their offensive, or I think their defensive struggles are reflective of him. Because he's never really had a, I mean, he's never really had an American defense like this. That you know, going against the top athletes in the world every single night, he's never really had that. So until he has that for a, for a full season or two under his belt, he's not going to get a grasp on how to defend these guys and how to how to run great defensive schemes and uh, you know what to play if they want to play zone, if they want to play man, what what they want to do and how do they want to defend the pick and rolls and uh, you know pick and pops on on stretch fours. So I think the defensive concerns, which are their main concerns, are mainly because of Blatt and his inexperience in the league. What about you? Right. I you know, I don't want to buy this because the way that the roster was set up, it wasn't set up well as far as defensively. Um, and only after the Mozgov trade should the Cavs be feeling a little bit better about their, their defense for the season. But, you know, I, I have to technically buy this because... You know, Blatt is the one in charge of managing this team, and so far this team just does not connect with their head coach. Whether it's, you know, Kevin Love looking like someone stole his trust fund on the bench, <laughs> you know, Kyrie Irving not, you know, Kyrie Irving's just been all over the place this season. Um, LeBron's been their best offensive playmaker, which, you know, that, that speaks to the abilities of LeBron, but it also speaks to Kyrie Irving's, uh, what new role he has on this team. Um, I, I just don't think he's the right man for the job. I think if any time people are, are calling for someone's head, as far as a head coach is concerned, it's only a matter of time before management listens. You know, And yeah. this, this is a team, like, like we talked about, that needs to be winning now. LeBron's already 30 years old. His prime is ending soon. Like, if, if the Cavs want to win a championship, they might need to make a drastic move. The, the only problem is who would they get to replace him. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it, but uh, it, it's unfortunate because I don't think Blatt is a bad coach. I just don't think he's the right man for this job. Yeah, and he, he's more, he's better off going with, like, someone that's 
not has a high that doesn't have a high profile on them all season long. Like maybe a Denver, maybe a Phoenix, something like that. If you know, I'm just naming out teams that right. are not in high markets. Or not, Cleveland's not a high market, but you know what I mean. They get right. national attention every single night. So he's not something like that. It's just bound for tragedy, dude. Right. These were these were pretty big shoes for you know, a rookie NBA coach to try and fill. And, you know, I think he's done the best that he can with what he's got. And we should also point out, you know, Kyrie's been banged up. LeBron's been banged up. Um, Sean Marion's been banged up. A lot of these players have been injured for, you know, periods and of time. If he, if he gets a five seed and wins the championship, everyone's going to be putting him in the top five coaches in the league. So. <laughs> right. right. It's, uh, it, it's, it only matters what happens from here on out. But, you know, the first half of the season, they've got a losing record. <laughs> They're sixth in the East behind the Bucks now. Um, so a team with LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving should probably not be behind the Bucks. No offense to Jason Kidd. But... <laughs> Jason Kidd's probably looking at that and smiling and spilling <laughs> drinks and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, just imagine what the Cavs might have going if, if they swap coaches somehow. Oh, but, uh, it's, this could be a very different story. But uh, moving on to the next one. This one's a fun one. Buy or sell that the Detroit Pistons can make the Eastern Conference playoffs? I think if you're not buying this at this point, then you're just like uh, have Alzheimer's disease or something. I don't know what. But you should definitely buy this because they're two games. They're two games out. Mm -hmm. I believe they're 16 games back of the one, and Brooklyn or uh, someone else is 14 games back of the one. So. Um, you know, yeah, Brandon Jennings is a completely <laughs> different human being. Um, he, he looks like he looks like I don't know what he looks like, man. He, he looks unreal. He's shooting the ball and he's shooting efficiently, and he's taking you know good shots, semi-good shots. I seen I seen the other game the other night where I think they were playing Toronto, and like five straight trips down the floor, they got a pick and roll floater for Brandon Jennings, uncontested. He just missed a couple, so I mean, you know, he, he he still has to get a little bit better at making decisions and stuff, and when to drop off a pass to the bigs, and you know, when to actually trust him on the pick and roll. But I mean, Stan Van Gundy's been so patient with him. He's been so patient with everybody except Josh Smith. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, he's he's been like, you know, it, Andre Drummond's the most impossible person to be patient with on offense, and mm -hmm. yet he's not pulled his hair out yet. Right. It's uh, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy what we've seen from this Pistons team since they got rid of Josh Smith. I mean, they've they've won how many games out of their last? They've won, I think it was At nine of their last ten. Nine of their last ten, exactly. And <laughs> I mean, their one loss <laughs> to was to one of the hottest teams in the NBA, the Atlanta Hawks, right now. Um, you know, they are you gonna buy it? What? Are you gonna buy it? Well, I'm definitely buying it. I've, I've got them. I've got them knocking off Brooklyn and possibly Miami because I I think they're that good now. It's it's bizarre. I was picking this team as a dark horse to make the playoffs before the season began, and after watching them, you know, post Josh Smith era, um, it's it's been a completely different team. They, they they even have a rallying cry now, you know, that one game where, where Stan Van Gundy, I think it was the Spurs game. Oh, man. We just build a wall. To, paraf to paraphrase, form a bleeping wall. Like, <laughs> they have they have their rallying cry. They have their coach who I've – I was I was about to lose faith in him. I'm going to be honest with you. I love Stan Van Gundy, but I wasn't sure he was doing the right job. And, and by making that decision to get rid of Smith um, – He's completely transformed the dynamic of this team. Uh, I can see Stan Van Gundy walking around the streets of Detroit, like I, you know, just like yeah, I'm the reason you're in the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got rid, we got rid of that hated person here. So, Damn but well. like, <laughs> what what do you think that is going through Josh Smith's mind? Like, did you, how many times has someone asked him, like uh, in a locker room, um, you know, how's it feel? Or not how's it feel, but you know, like, does it does it say anything to you or hurt your confidence that two teams got rid of you in the span of what two years? Yep. Two and a half years, and they're both you know 
sledging to the top of the east. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's one of those questions as a reporter. You got to be real careful how you phrase that one, otherwise you're going to get a nasty response. The <laughs> uh, you know Josh Smith is probably just happy that the, the Rockets had a nice little cupcake batch of opponents in the last week because they've gone four and zero against some pretty crappy teams, but. Uh, he's probably, I mean, it's got to gotta hurt a little bit knowing that the team you left has now won 9 out of 10 games and suddenly uh, looks like a playoff team. <laughs> uh, whenever, whenever they play together, uh, or whenever they play each other, it is, I don't know when it is, but um, I, might buy t- I might just go. Like, I might fly <laughs> to Houston or Detroit. That would be, that would be an, interesting, an interesting night for sure. But uh, <laughs> let's go to our next, uh, you, you brought up the Hawks, so let's do a buy or sell for them. Uh, Jeff Teague is an all-star in the Eastern Conference. Buy or sell? Man, like if you said sell on this one, you might deserve the death chair. Like I, I don't know. I mean, you might say it because the Eastern Conference is so packed, and or not packed, but you know, it's getting better. Um, right. So I, you got to buy it, and you got to buy it because Kyle Lowry, Kyrie Irving. Which Irving? I mean, are are we sure that he's more deserving over Lowry or Teague? I would say Teague, Lowry, Irving. Um, you know, Wall. There's so there's like four good point guards right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would put him in it. It's uh, it's definitely a tough one. I think. Ugh. I I want to buy it, but just given the number of of point guards in that conference between Lowry, who's definitely going to get in, between Wall, who's definitely going to get in. Irving, you know, despite the fact that he he'll get voted in, he'll he'll start. Oh yeah, that's the problem is with this voting process is when the fans get the vote, the fans are stupid. So <laughs> Kyrie Irving is probably going to start, and if he doesn't, the coaches are going to make sure he's at least in the game. Um, and and the problem with Teague as an All Star is that you know Millsap is definitely getting in. Orford has a chance to get in. Yeah, is Millsap definitely getting in? I think so. I mean, okay. he got in. He got in last year, and he's probably, you know, he's been doing the grunt work for them. Um, well, because I know Bosch is in. I know Love is is in by popular vote. Right. Um, and that's two power forwards. And you know, I'm I'm drawing a blank, but like there there's got to be some other good guys. Like, there's got to be some other guys that are like almost locks. I don't know. Right. I mean, I've I've got. I mean, in the in the East, the front court is not as good as as the West. Yeah. You know, Roy Hibbert, Gasol's getting in. Gasol's getting in. Roy Hibbert's kind of fallen off a cliff. But you know, when it comes <laughs> to All Star voting, it's it's basically divided into guards and then front court. So even uh, power forward, he could still get in. You know, with a small forward spot. Um, so I'm gonna sell Teague as an All Star, not because he's not deserving, but because. You know, this is going to be like a less egregious version of what happened to Kyle Lowry last year. My my whole entire death chair sentence was about like if you said that he didn't deserve it because of you know right. his, his stats, <laughs> his stats or something. He's averaging seventeen point four points. He's shooting forty eight percent from the field and thirty six percent from three. I mean, you know, that's deserving of an All Star appearance. And his team is thirty and eight. Right. Thirty-one and thirty-one and eight, I think. So it, it's unreal. Um, right. If you go best plus point guard of the best team, that's him. And I hate that argument, but it's <laughs> Steph Curry and him, and that's kind of funny. But, right. Yeah. This, this is the best year we've seen from Teague. I mean, it's not—he's not putting up career numbers across the board, but it's definitely the most well-balanced stat line he's ever put up. And uh, you know, his team is winning. Um, oh, let's let's make no mistake. If he was in the West, he would not even be. He wouldn't even come close. He would not make the All Star team in the West. No, not at all. That's <laughs> it's definitely the virtue of playing in the East a little bit. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, he's right on the cusp either way. Whether or not he gets in, you know, it's not going to be an egregious snub if he doesn't. But if he does get in, you know, he'll he'll be deserving of that spot. Yeah. Um. So now let's move on to uh, fill in the blank here. Um, this this one makes me smile. I, I wrote a piece <laughs> because you know, it's just so ridiculous to me that this is even a topic. But um, the Clippers trading for Austin Rivers would be blank. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna say it'd be cool. Um, I've never seen it before. Um, I've never seen a son and and dad play. You know, head coach player Kobe Carl and George Carl. I didn't really watch it then. I didn't really watch. Denver 
then. And you know, I wasn't a writer or anything, so I didn't get to see that too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I think is this the only other instance that has happened? Uh, well, the father-son pairing like that that I know of, yeah. Yeah, but for a basketball standpoint, no. I mean, Austin Rivers is not good. I'm just gonna say he's <laughs> not good. So I, that's my uh, that's my diagnosis on that. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna fill in that blank with uh, nepotism because it's it's definitely. I mean, at this point, the only person that can save Austin Rivers' career is his father. Um, you know, and as his father, it probably makes sense that he wants to help his son become an actual NBA player. Um, but you know, the 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 way this whole story cropped up as like, oh, Clippers officials are interested in adding Austin. No, they're not. Doc Rivers is a Clippers official now. <laughs> He's the one that's interested in adding Austin Rivers. Like I saw um, Jason Concepcion, who writes for Grantland, he, he tweeted this and <laughs> he said. <laughs> Yeah, I was there at the moment of his birth, and that's something we're looking for as a team. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just, it's so, I don't know. This isn't, the Clippers need help. They need help on the bench, sure, but their biggest problem is front court depth still and wing. They need a Josh Smith, to be honest with you. That's what they needed. <laughs> they need literally anyone uh, who is not Austin Rivers is what they need. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Farmer uh, has not been good this season. But even even though Rivers has better numbers, you're not going to tell me that he's a better NBA player than Jordan Farmar. I, I just no. see that being an upgrade. So Jordan Farmar was a backup on a dominant 2009 and 10 championship team. <laughs> also, Rivers won't be a third string on the championship team. No, and that's you know I <laughs> it's just so this is so funny to me that this is even being talked about. Because um, the Clippers are already having enough problems with consistency, so you you bring this whole sideshow, this media sideshow that's going to come about if if Rivers plays his son too much or if he runs, God forbid, a playoff play for him or something. <laughs> um, you know, the the Clippers already have enough problems. This is not another one that they need, but apparently it's one that they're going to be getting soon. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's going to happen. Is it? I, I I'm pretty sure it's about to happen. Um, all the reports that have been coming out have been saying that it's it's only a matter of time. So, oh poo. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I mean, you can't blame a father for doing what he can <laughs> to help his son. And you know, to defend this, to play devil's advocate a little bit, wouldn't it make sense that if Austin Rivers were to jumpstart his career, it would be playing for his dad? Um, yeah. It's the best. It's probably the best environment for him to succeed. But whether or not it's because Daddy gives him too many opportunities is another another issue. Yeah, and if they went down the hill, and it would be you know you brought an Austin Rivers to the playoff team. That's uncalled for. Yeah, that's and that's the other unfair side of it is if they added Austin Rivers, would he be the cause of all their problems? No, but <laughs> but it'd be fun to to blame it on that anyway. So. <laughs> Um, next fill in the blank. The hottest team in the NBA right now is blank. I thought about this, man. I thought about um, taking the same team for both. Okay. Um, but I'm not gonna do that because you know I kind of I kind of changed my mind on the best team in the league, and that's the next question. The the hottest team in the league is the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. Um, the hottest winning streak: nine wins out of their last ten. Mm-hmm. They're beating people by 6.1 points per game. They've overtaken Toronto for the greatest point differential in the East. Mm-hmm. There's only four. There's only five teams with a positive point differential. It's pretty sad. But yeah, um, yeah Atlanta 38. Um, you know they've played significantly less games than or the three less games than the Warriors out there in the in the West. And the Warriors have the best uh, win percentage. But the way the Hawks play, dare I say it's better than the Spurs because they're young. And they are better shooters, I think now. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's better than the Spurs and at their peak. I think the Hawks at their peak and the Spurs at their peak right now. I think I take the Hawks just because you know, they can rub down the floor. This season, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not total now. <laughs> uh, this season, this season because uh, you know Atlanta they can rub down the floor. But I'm scared about Tim Duncan and what's gonna happen next year or two, or you know this is the last year. So. Um, and they still haven't got Kawhi Leonard back, so I'm going to go with Atlanta, 
by a pretty far margin in terms of the hottest team and the ones that have been clicking the most offensively and defensively. Right. And, I mean, like you, I was tempted to take the same team for uh, <laughs> the hottest team. And oh, you're going to love the next You're gonna love the next answer. Oh, I know, I know. But <laughs> for me, the hottest team is also the Atlanta Hawks. They are... They are uh, they're playing a very efficient brand of basketball. Mike Budenholzer has turned them into the Spurs of the East. Um, you know, funny note, random note, but uh, those five teams in the East that have positive point differentials, okay, so Phoenix, the eighth team in the East, they have a point differential of plus 2-1. That is better than all but three teams in the East, and that's, and that's the eighth best differential in the West. So, and, and, and the Suns were choking away games in the fourth quarter. Yep. <laughs> so, so just a random note, but yeah, I've I've got the Hawks. I think they're a very well balanced roster. Dennis Schroeder has come out of nowhere as this German Rajon Rondo, uh, <laughs> and it's uh, it they've been a fun team to watch. You know, not not the funnest team to watch, but they are. I'm actually getting worried that they're peaking too early because they are just making it look so easy right now. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen that you said that, and um, it's definitely possible that you can peak too early. I mean, I mean, we've seen it before. I think the Pacers peaked too early last year. Right. So way too early. They they were way too early last year. They they peaked. They they were like uh, I can't remember twenty five and four throughout November and December. Or so mm-hmm. um, they were way too early. But the Hawks, I, I don't see it slowing down. It just hasn't slowed down in the last you know eight games. <laughs> And again, as as we've said probably about ten times on this show already, this is that's the virtue of playing in the East, I guess. <laughs> well, it's it's a daily comment. Right, it really is. <laughs> but uh, so our next fill in the blank, kind of we kind of gave it away. But what is the best team in the NBA right now? Uh, all right, when I said that you're gonna love it, it wasn't because it's the Warriors, because it's not. Oh really? I think the best team in the NBA is the Portland Trailblazers. Oh boy, <laughs> dude, they're third. They're thirty and eight, just like the Hawks. And the, mind you, they're thirty and eight in the Western Conference. Okay, let's think about that for a minute. Thirty and eight in the Western Conference is only something that the uh, Warriors and the Blazers have done. So mm-hmm. in reality, if you want to go by that, you you pick between those two teams. Right. The next best team is eleven lost team in uh, the Rockets. So and I'm not one that just goes by record. You know, the lineup, I fully believe the lineup of Damian Lillard, Wesley Matthews, LaMarcus Aldridge, Nick Batoon, and uh, Robin Lopez, when he's healthy, I think that lineup can contend with anybody. And that's including Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, and Andrew Bogut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they have just as much shooting. Um, you know, you, they're not the Splash Brothers. The Wesley Matthews leads the NBA in three-pointers made. Mm-hmm. So, And, you know, he takes quite a lot too, but he's making quite a lot. Uh, dare I say that this is the best this team has looked in the last two years? And I, I know it is. And Terry Stotts is looking like a genius for what he's doing. Um, they're actually a, a better defensive team than they are offensive. Like, are you kidding me? How's that possible? <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely coming out of nowhere because last year they were, you know, in the lower half of the league actually in defensive efficiency, and now they're in the top ten. Um, the Blazers they have a better bench now. Uh, Aldridge and Lillard. <laughs> Playing, you know, both of them playing like MVP candidates, um, and and the Blazers do get overlooked a little bit too much because yeah. you know everyone lists them as a as in the contender category, kind of like as a, a common courtesy, like you know <laughs> the Blazers, but nobody actually thinks they can win it. Um, and I'll admit I had them at the seventh seed in, uh, in October before I picked anything. I had them at yeah. seven. Oh yeah, I had them around six or seven too. Uh, nobody. Nobody saw this coming from them, not even, you know, the most diehard of Blazers fans. But, um, you know, I can't I can't go with a team other than the Golden State Warriors, you know, top, yeah, top defensive team in the league, probably the best starting five in the league. Um, they've got a bench. They've got Justin Holiday stepping up out of nowhere to be a productive bench player. They've got David Lee back. They've got Maurice Spates, who was looking like a six-man-of-the-year candidate when Lee was out. Um, you know, they've got a top five offense now as well. Uh, best point differential in the NBA, best record in the NBA. They got five losses and 35 tries. I mean, that's, 
you just can't beat that right now. And I think yeah, I know. And they've dethroned it's, I, their national TV record is it's probably only one or two losses, if not perfect. Like when on the biggest stages they come to play, and right. they, the three no against the Thunder. Uh, the Warriors are unreal, and you know Steve Kerr and Mike Budenholzer might have to fight UFC style for a close of the year. I, I through, thoroughly believe it's going to be that close because mm-hmm. what what's your rationale for giving it to Steve Kerr over Mike Budenholzer? And you know because it's a, a great turnaround. If it's a great turnaround, Atlanta has a better turnaround. Right. So Budenholzer deserves it just as much, and that's going to be a dogfight for Coach of the Year awards. And uh, to see how many Warriors get into the All Star game will be funny compared to Atlanta. So we don't we don't fear Atlanta will get two. I mean they could, uh, but we don't know. And um, but if I if I had to pick like in a series, I I I, I probably would not pick a series with Portland and Golden State. They're so good. <laughs> it would have to go seven. It would have to go seven to me. Like Golden State would not win in five. They would not win in six to me. Right. It's it's a the top of the West is definitely a bloodbath and come playoff time, you know, when we're making our, our picks for these playoff matchups. <laughs> even for <clears throat> So uh let's go to our last and but we both agree though, we both agree the best team in the league is coming out of the West right now. Yeah, top two in the West. Yeah, I don't see the Rockets making a case. I don't see the Spurs that uh, they're just they're not a train wreck, but they're as close to it right now. Right. So and and it's it's funny you bring the Spurs up because they are our final fill in the blank for today. So, <laughs> um, Spurs things haven't been going well for them. They've been banged up. They're only one game ahead of the Suns for seventh in the Western Conference. They're on pace to not win 60% of their games for the first time in the Tim Duncan era. Uh, Shane, if you're the Spurs, you are feeling blank right now. If I'm the Spurs or Spurs fans? Um, that's a good distinction. Let's, let's do both. Okay, if I'm the Spurs, I'm feeling scared to death because... You more than more than the fans. You know the Western Conference. You've played these guys four times a, a year. I mean, if you're the Spurs fans, I think you're all right because you have you've been given no reason in the last 17 years to be to be scared to be you know thinking that you know if we get if we get the seven seed we can't beat the two. You could. It might be Portland, but you you could do that. And that's from a fan standpoint, because I'm a Lakers fan. Mm-hmm. If if my team was like that, and you know they were as dominant the Spurs have been for so long, which they kind of have been, and we got the seven seed. When Kobe and Dwight Howard were together, I thought we were gonna beat the Spurs. You know, but Kobe, Kobe towards Achilles that that playoff series. You know, before the playoff series, so it obviously did not have a chance to happen. So I think fans should be all right, but the Spurs themselves, Kawhi Leonard matters that much. If he matters that much. Resign them immediately. Don't wait. I, don't wait. Do it immediately. Don't let you know someone else go and pitch something to him, and where he'll want to go somewhere else. Right. I'm. I'm gonna fill in both of those blanks with uh, worried right now. Oh, and both worried. Both should be worried right now, and it's not. Uh, you know, it's not the end of the world. But the Spurs—they played 39 games already. They're almost halfway through the season. And this is the first time they haven't won 60% of their games. You know, that's that's kind of noteworthy. And Tim Duncan, he's playing great basketball. He's been he's been one of the healthier players, surprisingly. Um, but, you know, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. He's blocking shots like it's 2002. Um, you know, he's been playing great basketball. But without Kawhi Leonard, without Tony Parker, with Patty Mills missing a lot of time already and barely just coming back now, um, this is a very vulnerable team, and they have not been playing great basketball lately. Five and five, the last ten. Yeah, and they've, you know, they they posted just the third losing month of Tim Duncan's career in December, <laughs> and you know that's that's in, that's an incredible accomplishment that he's only had three losing months in his entire career. But um, you know, for an aging team like this, a team that. I was worried about a possible championship hangover because they had so much motivation last year to get that revenge, to avenge that game six loss that broke everyone's hearts. 
they don't have that same fire this year, and they certainly don't have the health to back it up. So um, I think a healthy Spurs team is still a playoff team, but the Suns, I would, you know, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that the Suns and the Thunder edge the Spurs oh. and send them to their first lottery pick in God knows. Oh, my God. The Spurs missing the playoffs after the championship. Like, all right, That's- when Dirk Nowitzki beat LeBron for the title, that's that next year they got bounced in the first round by the Thunder, swept by right. the Thunder. I think the same thing could happen to the Spurs, but I would I, I, I put them in the playoffs. But you know, I, I think that something like that that's that's not something unprecedented. If you win the championship, you're not guaranteed to make it out of the first round the next year. And right. the Mavericks showed that in 2012. So mm-hmm. yeah, right. And and to clarify, before the Spurs fans <laughs> of San Antonio, you know, put down their barbecue and pick up their pitchforks and come to my house. Um, I'm not predicting that that's going to happen, but I am saying that now more than ever, that is looking like an actual possibility. Yeah, <laughs> man, I don't even want... It makes me sick. Makes me sick. <laughs> I mean, it's... Here's the thing. That's, it's, my, that's my final pick. It was Spurs and Bulls, and I'm, I'm staying on it. But... Spurs and Bulls, okay. I, I, I think... Oh, man. Even if the Spurs make the playoffs, I don't see them getting past the second round. I really don't. <laughs> And it's it's not because I think this I I know people say this every freaking year and every year the Spurs prove us wrong, but I think this is the year that the Spurs take a step backward and don't look like a title contender heading into the playoffs. And I'll say this, but you know I I I know it's long, but I want to talk about this because Tim Duncan, if if he does get to the finals again, three straight years in the West and he wins, I'm telling you now, I'm telling you on this podcast. He okay. is not. He's challenging Michael Jordan. To me, I, I'm sorry. He's challenging Michael Jordan because this is unreal. If he does that three straight years in the East, it's it's all right. I mean, it's all right. LeBron did it four straight years. Mm-hmm. But if he gets there four, three straight years in the in the West, that's the hardest thing in sports. That's ours. Not in basketball. It's the hardest thing in sports. That that would be a hell of an accomplishment. But you know, like I said, I think this team. Nobody wants to say it yet. You know, we've seen a couple of columns like, should the Spurs be worried? No, they shouldn't be worried. Once they're healthy, they're fine. But what happens if they don't get healthy? I'm worried about this team. I really do think this is a possibility that they miss the playoffs. And that's that's where I'm going to end it because I can already hear the San Antonians lining up outside my door. Oh. Wow. Uh, Spurs fans are nicer than Laker fans, so you have that going for you. You're not going to get – you're not going to have to meet at Temecula. To kill somebody, so. They might be nicer, but they're they're <laughs> easily offended, probably because they constantly think that they're that they're overlooked. Um, yeah. <laughs> but oh, before we end, I do have to give appreciation to Pau Gasol for being a god. Um, thirty or 46, <laughs> 46 points. I think it was eighteen rebounds that night. Um, it just proves that I love the guy more than anything, and that he is, um, you know, carrying on the Laker tradition out in Chicago. Thank oh, you, Pau. Cool. Oh, he's going to attribute that to Laker tradition, everyone. <laughs> I make a bold prediction. He makes a bold statement, and that is probably how we're going to end our show today. Uh, Shane, thanks for joining me. Uh, see you, man. Have a good night. You too.